0: welcome to the first ever trash talk podcast i am your host michael simonitis recycle michael our guest tonight is chris brokate he's with the clean river alliance and russian river keeper i met chris uh here in sonoma county he was doing some uh cleanups at the river and volunteered with him and and uh, it was just mind-blowing some of the stuff that i uh I was able to uh, see an experience with them and some of the issues that they were dealing with and trying to get trash out of the river. So, Chris, uh, thanks for being here.
1: Yeah, thanks, Michael. It's uh, good to be here and part of your first uh, Trash Talk podcast, uh, it's Clean River Alliance. That's a part of our tagline is where Talking Trash is okay. So, thank you.
0: Right on. Yeah, Talking Trash is not only okay here, it's encouraged. Like I was saying, uh, Chris is uh, someone I met in Sonoma County doing uh, river cleanups. He moved to the area in 2009 and started volunteering with the Russian Riverkeeper Organization. Uh, He's worked on many projects for them. He was even awarded Volunteer of the Year in 2010. Uh, Since then, he has uh, moved away from his green janitor job. He had his own business doing green janitorial work for 25 years, but now he's fully committed to uh, clearing um, trash out and cleaning up the rivers near where he lives. Uh, I guess back in 2014, he uh, first noted the devastating effect of all the trash coming down the river after the heavy rains and entering into estuaries and going out into the ocean. So he started his first beach cleanup and started thinking about ways to prevent pollution and clean up the river more often. With the help of a couple of friends and fiscal sponsorship through Russian River Keeper, Chris started the Clean River Alliance, and that's up here in Sonoma County on the Russian River. Um, since 2015, volunteers of the Clean River Alliance have helped remove over a million pounds of trash from the Russian River watershed. In uh, 2016, they started partnering with local houseless folks by creating a trash and clean camp program, and they now work with them and collect trash from Cloverdale to Rio they get hundreds of thousands of pounds of material from these camps and other places. I guess it was 2018. He left his day job and and now has been doing this full time. He's fully engaged and uh, has a lot of uh, stuff to tell us about his experience there. I just wanted to like bring up the that one time that I did uh, or that first time that I did go volunteer out. I've only gone out a couple of times with, with uh, the group there, but I, w- I was just blown away by you know, some of the stuff that was being um, encountered as we um, went along the river and, and started collecting trash, we came a- across some of these houseless encampments and man, there, there was a lot of variety of trash. Um, there was a tent full of dirty laundry and it was explained to us that uh, there was free clothes available from uh, local community organizations and um, I think a church. But there was no uh, access to laundry facilities, so um, all of these really nice clothes, Carhartt stuff, uh, was just being kind of shoved into these free tents and um, was being considered waste. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm just really impressed with the work that Chris has been doing and and his engagement with um, these communities. So. Uh, Chris, do you want to tell us more about uh, your camp cleanup program and what you've learned about the homelessness um, around the river in the last few years?
1: Yeah. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, Clean River Alliance, Uh, our mission is to remove trash from the Russian River watershed and educate our public by creating more cleanup events. And that's what makes us different. There's a lot of cleanup groups throughout the United States and the world who do uh, cleanups, picking up trash and organizing public cleanup events. Uh, We also do um, all kinds of uh, public cleanup events, uh, beach cleanups and uh, river-based, land-based cleanup. We do adopt a highway. And uh, one of the things that makes us different, though, is uh, in 2016, we started working uh, with our local homeless folks uh, to provide them with um, clean camp, uh, education, and um, trash service, just like people with homes do. So, Uh, In the beginning, uh, what we were seeing is a lot of trash uh, going into our river during the winter from a lot of the homeless encampments when the river would rise and, uh, you know, people would abandon their camps or go into the shelters and stuff like that. They'd typically leave behind a lot of uh, their trash and stuff. So what we started doing was going into some of the camps based uh, around some of our organized cleanups and asking them if they would uh, stage trash for us. And sure enough. You know, we would show up a week later and they would have all this trash state forks, you know, uh, bagged and ready for us to go. And they'd be there and help us load it into our truck. And uh, one time we were doing this and pretty large encampment. There was, you know, probably over 20 folks living in this one encampment. And I think this is one of the places that you got to work with us on. One of the guys says, uh, hey, you know, can we get more bags and when can you come back? So it was kind of their idea, and I got thinking. Um, well, the first thing I said was, "Sure," I said, "You know, I'll come back next Thursday." And you know, between now and then, I, I started thinking about um, how could we, you know, provide service to them just like what people with homes do. You know, when you when you lose your house, you lose a lot of your services too. You know, and that's one of those things that people don't think about that. Um, and they get stuff; they have to eat. They get clothes, they get a lot of uh, supplies and stuff like that that, um, you know, sometimes aren't always the easiest thing to take care of uh, when you're living in that environment, including the clothes and stuff like that, which get soiled really fast during the winter. You know, when you live out in the forest and uh, especially out uh, in the forest like we do out here in the trees and stuff like that, you know, things stay moist and wet for a lot longer than they do uh, in other conditions. And, and, um, and then when you live in a small town, there's only, uh, we have one place, uh, a public, uh, laundromat that a lot of the folks living outdoors aren't welcome at. So it's very difficult for, uh, some of the homeless to take care of their stuff. So back to the trash thing, um, part of that trash service though, is, has been a, a really big solution to the amount of trash we were seeing, uh, during the winter on our beaches. And, since 2016, um, we've expanded our program from the Lower River, which is down in uh, the Gurnville area, and now we uh, provide trash service all the way up to Cloverdale, Hillsburg, uh, literally providing trash service to hundreds of homeless folks throughout our watershed. And we're seeing a huge—we've uh, seen a, a huge, dramatic uh, decrease in the amount of trash that we're seeing on our beaches during the winter, and. Um, you know, for years, uh, in April, we would host a um, Earth Day cleanup down at the, our local beaches and we would fill up like a 20-yard dumpster. And now we're having a problem uh, filling up a 20-yard dumpster or, and or uh, canceling beach cleanup events because of the lack of trash we're seeing during the winter. So just having that as part of um, one of the ways that we're mitigating trash throughout our watershed has been really a key a keystone project. So. We're really proud of it, proud of the folks that are uh, living out there working with us.
0: Yeah, that's great, Chris. Uh, I mean, us in the recycling industry are always saying, oh, we need to go upstream and, you know, reduce trash at the source, but you're literally doing that, and effectively.
1: Well, i like to say, you know, we're doing it. it was You know, it is, uh, it takes a, a partnership and, and a team effort, you know, to be able to certainly provide the service, but it's amazing how much trash they they collect, um, for us. And it, it's not only their trash. we got a lot of the folks out there and this is, you know, something I'm not just making this stuff up. They come up to us on a, a regular basis every week and they want extra bags to go clean up other places because they're bored or they want to take care of the environment. And sometimes we'll show up and literally load up like, you know, 15, 20 bags of trash that somebody collected, you know, off the river, stuff that we don't even know about that they're out just collecting for us and when we show up and they'll be loading the truck or something they'll go hey how much trash do i got to collect for you guys before i can get one of your t-shirts so it just says right there that these folks care about the environment and that they want to become part of our group and and be proud uh you know wear one of our t-shirts clean river alliance t-shirt when they're out there doing this work it's really cool it's um not always easy either they're not saying it's perfect because you know you always have two or three uh, people in each community that really make it worse or bad for everyone like you were saying a little while ago you noticed there was a a camp that had a lot of clothes that were being ruined and maybe they were hoarding a lot of stuff but every neighborhood's got one of those too that guy on the the you know the corner or down that's got the house that's doesn't mow his lawn or he hasn't painted it in 20 years. And he's got three or four cars in the front yard. Right.
0: You know,
1: so every neighborhood's got one and they're not all like that.
0: No. And, 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 you know, I, I really, um, had that comment you made, uh, resonate with me about people not uh, necessarily knowing how to camp or having experience camping. Uh, Jaren and I work a lot of festivals and I swear, like uh, a lot of these people uh, attending events like that, uh, don't have a lot of camping experience and don't even bring trash bags or, um, you know, have the ability to properly manage those kind of um, uh, discards in a, in a responsible manner, let alone a no trace approach.
1: I'll never forget that day. I was talking to a guy that I, I could see his camp from literally like a mile away. You know, he had a big, huge blue tarp in his uh, camp and I walked into his camp and and introduced myself. And I said, Hey man, you know, I go, I can see you from a mile away. This is not how people camp. You know, you got, you can't be having these blue tarps hanging from the trees and stuff. And, and he just looked at me and says, you know, I've never been camping before and I've only been homeless for a few months. And I was just like, Oh man, you know I mean? Not everybody's like me. I grew up in the household, you know. My dad took us camping, and we knew, you know, we brought this stuff to our camp, and we took it home with us, and stuff like that. And a lot of people are just aren't familiar with that, and it's hard when you're living in those conditions to even um, think about those things, you know, when you're just struggling day to day.
0: Yeah, I hear you, and uh, you know, maybe the the work of um, Leave No Trace .org, for example, might benefit from going beyond just uh, wilderness sites to um, you know, other areas that people are camping. I don't know if you've been able to connect with that group at all, but uh, I got a chance to work with them at the Muir Woods site because we realized that working on a zero waste uh, plan for um, Muir Woods there, there was trash cans in the parking lots and we did a characterization of of what was going in these trash cans. And it was all people cleaning out their cars, you know, they they would come out to this you know, national park, and then take all the trash out of their cars and leave it in the, it's like, beautiful, wilderness. Uh, so we ended up just taking the trash cans away, but combining it with signage and communication of explaining, uh, leave no trace and pack it in, pack it out, and, and whatnot. But I, I could understand that being more difficult when there is no place to dispose of it, which sounds like what you're doing. Yeah,
1: and you've touched on another thing too. I mean. You know, it's it's uh, homeless is just one element of, of one of the things that we face and challenges we face trying to mitigate trash in our watershed. I mean, roadside dumping is another. Um, you know, if there's a top five like issues in our watershed, I would say homelessness is in that top five. But there are also other things in that top five, like day use during the summer, the amount of uh, trash and pollution um, from people people just going uh, poo in our wilderness, along our river and so forth during the summer. Um, Roadside dumping is a huge problem. Just uh, late last year, we discovered 236 tires dumped into the river, just north of the right? And so, you know, that's pretty regular. We drive around through our watershed on a regular basis, and there's literally stuff popping up overnight on a daily basis, like boats and refrigerators and couches and tires and TVs and you know just last week I just removed a couch and a TV from Mark West Creek you know and then yeah so roadside dumping and and I would have to say in the top five of things that worry me about our watershed would be the microplastics that are being generated along our highways right you know we're not mitigating trash along our roads like we used to and for instance our or the 101 freeway the amount of trash and microplastics being generated along the highways and going right through the storm drains and into the watershed it makes it very difficult because when it's being ran over a million times every day or hundreds of thousands of times just in our area we can't collect that stuff anymore and that's the stuff that they're finding out you know, more and more every uh, day, they're finding out about microplastics and how those things are getting into even the 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 smallest of the food chain in the oceans, for instance. And um, so, that's one of my really big concerns right now is microplastics and the um, amount of the, that type of trash that's being generated throughout our roads and and so forth. So. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I, and I know
0: that there's some strategies being employed to uh, reduce that. I was um, fortunate enough to work on a project where we were trying to um, determine the baseline of plastic and you know, trash pollution into the Bay Area uh, from around San Francisco and the peninsula, South Bay, East Bay. And so there was a study done that involved putting these filter bags into storm drains. And these filter bags were uh, left in place for a year. And then um, I was on a team that manually sorted it all to determine, uh, you know, what types of plastic were in there, what types of uh, other materials we were finding. And it was just amazing. Like you could tell so much about, you know, where the storm drain was located by the contents in it. You know, I was able to say, okay, this is, you know, low income area. There's. um, you know, a Home Depot nearby, there's, you know, fast food, this, I couldn't even guess, you know, cities sometimes and, and, uh, you know, really hone in on locations just based on stuff. You know, I'll see things like, Oh, there's tennis balls and a lot of eucalyptus stuff. This was probably, you know, a wealthy neighborhood and then, you know, some playing with their dog or something, um, and a lot less trash, but, um, these filter bags, um, you know, they were really uh, effective in, in capturing the the plastics and all of the organics would biodegrade for the most part. It was really interesting to see things like a Starbucks cup, you know, it's like a paper cup, but uh, that paper would degrade over the, the time that it was in the storm drain, but you would still have this plastic liner that it resembled a jellyfish. You know, I was like, what is this jellyfish? Oh. The plastic liner on the inside of a Starbucks cup. And that would have gone out into the Bay or you know, into, the, into a river if um, those bags weren't there. So maybe incorporating bags like that and having them serviced like a trash route is uh, one way to go. I think that's what the city of San Jose is doing because there have been goals uh, set by the Bay Area Water Quality Management District to reduce plastic trash into our um, waterways, uh, into the Bay in particular there. But uh, that's an expensive solution. You know, there's millions of these storm drains around the bay and putting a filter bag in each one and then servicing it on a regular basis is just, uh, you know, Herculean effort.
1: Yeah, that's that's the issue. And if you're not on top of those uh, storm uh, drain, um, whatever uh, catchalls you're uh, trying to implement and they overflow and flood an area, you could be held liable uh, right. For that too, and it's just something you don't even think about. But um, yeah, that's some serious trash CSI you're doing there too when you're uh, going through and doing a trash survey, and you can identify just an area or what services are in those areas by the discarded material and stuff. So it's it's interesting. Yeah,
0: yeah. One thing I wanted to bring up was uh, the work that surf riders doing, and they do a lot of beach cleanups as well. Um, however, they've started doing something called brand audits and I think that's a really fascinating thing, you know, looking at which, uh, corporate logos are on the trash that they're finding and, you know, categorizing it by, um, you know, corporate origin and that way they can try to hold some of these companies responsible because they're producing this stuff. Although, um, you know, I brought up the same thing at the study I was mentioning. I was like, well, can we separate cigarette butts into a separate category? And I was told, oh, no, 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 that has to go into other because otherwise, you know, Philip Morris will come in here and say, you know, your study design's flawed and, you know, we're going to sue you and just kind of tie up this whole release of this report for, um, you know, indefinite amount of time and just hold it up because they don't want to take any kind of responsibility. But uh, Surfrider, I guess, is just pressing on and they have um, enough support and lawyers to, to just do that. But I don't know if you've ever, you know, seen that kind of work or participated in a study like that.
1: It's hard. You know, I mean, when we first started doing this and we were pretty much all volunteer grassroots, you know, just going out and doing it, um, we really didn't even have time to try to divert any of the stuff we were uh, getting into except for maybe metals when we would you know run into a lot of metals and stuff but because we're really more concerned about trying to go after the masses and you know get get a control on it and then you know after five years and uh, a million pounds later we've been able to actually step back and that now do more like surveys where we're taking time to divert and recycle and you know kind of identify where uh, a lot of this trash is coming from and and surf is awesome. I mean, we just had um, a beach cleanup last month, um, end of March here, with uh, surf rider and B Rad Foundation and Riverkeeper and uh, State Parks and stewards of the coast and you know, we're just being able to partner and, and, um, share information and not overlap any of the stuff that we're doing to surf rider does some beach cleanups, uh, on the coast. And, you know, so we, we can communicate and we know that they're handling a certain area. We can concentrate on another area. So, um, yeah, surf is awesome. They're doing really great work and, um, yeah, it's all about reducing. You know, we we, we uh, promote zero waste. We're on um, our local trash task force here in Sonoma County that advises the Board of Supervisors about trash. And we're always going and tabling at zero waste events and um, places to educate our public around, uh, you know, reducing our impact and uh, cleaning up and so Yeah, it's got to be a full package. I mean, you just—we just don't want to be cleaning it up. We want to encourage people not produce it, not throw it out on the roadways, too. You know that—that kind of stuff. But you know, reducing our um, purchasing power—that's where it all starts. Not purchasing the stuff as much as possible. Definitely, we're a consumer society. You know, we got to. and and who knows you know maybe after what we're all experiencing now we can step back and and create a cleaner environment and protect our our mother Earth because i think what we're seeing even today is uh the result of um you know over harvesting uh all of our natural resources and uh, over consuming and stuff like that and i think the world is um is uh giving us a timeout, putting us in our corner and saying, You're in trouble, <laughs> right? I
0: mean, it certainly feels that way, but I'm, I'm concerned that um because we're in the middle of this uh COVID nineteen quarantine and um you know I've I've seen some of the first things that happened were like um, reusables being banned and um you know, people being encouraged to stock up on, um, package, uh, non-perishable foods and, um, you know, just more isolation. I know my response has been a little different where I've been spending a lot of time gardening and planning on, uh, growing more food and even went out to collect seaweed and, uh, really appreciated that the ocean was not full of trash so I could eat this yummy seaweed right out of the, the coast here. Um, but yeah, my, my concern is that um you know this is gonna lead to just more packaging instead of less.
1: Well, yeah, that's that's the scary part. I mean, um I hear you, it's gonna be a new um uh, a new way of doing things.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean uh we do trash studies and a lot of them are being canceled and postponed because um you couldn't get a representative sample because everything's so weird right now. Uh, I think it would be interesting to push forward and do some studies right now to just see how, you know, the average uh, household's trash is um, changed in response to this. But, you know, everything seems to be just put on hold. And and since we're not doing these studies, we, we may not know if there's been an increase in, um, uh, you know, packaging or a decrease in, food waste because people are actually cooking all their vegetables for once. Um, I thought, I thought it'd be really interesting, but uh, we may or may not get that opportunity.
1: Yeah. I think just going to the stores, you can see that that's going to be a fact. I mean, you can um, all the canned, you know, goods are non-perishables, you know, um, packaged overpackaged stuff that seems to be, you know, flying off the shelves and, you know, so are, a lot of uh, potatoes and uh, some of the vegetables and fresh uh, food areas. But I, I see that uh, uh, become an issue. I, yeah, I mean, people's, the amounts of trash we're producing at home now is definitely going to increase and, and every restaurant's gone uh, pretty much to takeout. So yeah. Yeah, that's even more then, packaging. Uh, right. Yeah. And then, and, Fortunately, that might be part of the new norm. There's going to be a lot of people are going to be terrified about ever going out and eating in public again. You know, unfortunately, I think that's going to be a sad state of affairs for us.
0: Yeah. Meanwhile, here in Sonoma County, we don't accept, uh, you know, compostable plastics in our composting system. And uh, we don't really have a lot of good options for um, to-go containers that don't have some sort of uh, plastic lining, whether it's compostable or not. There are a few options and, and um, you know, we've been able to get a lot of restaurants to start using that stuff. But our next guest actually will be a, a compost expert. So we'll be able to dive deep into that uh, topic. But I know we started a little late here and uh, it's about time to wrap up. But I have one last question about the um, the recent uh, homeless encampment at the Joe Radota Trail. Uh, I know that thing was massive. There were hundreds of people living there. And, you know, I know that you were involved, Chris, and and working on that and and trying to deal with um, some of the the waste and fallout from there. So I wonder if you could just uh, tell us a little bit about that before we go.
1: Yeah. Wow. Gosh, I mean, I don't even know where to start. When you have over 230 people living in an area, it just doesn't seem like you're in your own country anymore. It was, it's really hard to take and it's hard to believe that this this kind of uh, situation could be happening, not just in California or America, but right here in Sonoma County. And um, because of our reputation of, of uh, working with the homeless and, and providing this clean camp service, we got called into action. We actually went out as a volunteer basis on, on, on one day. But anyway, we... Uh, Stepped up when the county couldn't service the camps anymore because the existing contract with their employees didn't allow them to work with homelessness. So um, but basically, there was just nobody picking up trash out there. So we got a contract with the county to go out and provide trash service, and we did for about two uh, for the last two months. The camp was actually uh, out on the trail, and. Um, you know, it was quite an experience. We collected a, a lot of trash. You know, I mean, over 80,000 pounds of material we collected in about seven-week period out there on the Joe Verdata.
0: Oh my goodness!
1: It, you know, it might not have been pretty, and it might not have been, you know, the best place for everybody. But it, it's hard. Uh, it's a hard topic because now you have um, a lot of those folks are spread out all over the place. So one of the impacts that we're having by not providing enough housing or shelters for the homeless. And this is not just here in our county, it's throughout the state. And the environmental impact and the impacts on the folks, you know, is dramatic enough. But also what we're not thinking about is every time you move somebody, there's another impact and without providing enough uh, housing or uh, shelters for the amount of homelessness that's happening throughout our state. We're going to continue the environmental impacts and the trash impacts on the waterways and our environment because there's less and less places for them to go as these become more of an attention grabber or in the the news media, there's more people um, out there uh, making sure that there's no other places for them. But um, having said that, some of the statistics that I know around homelessness are like this. There's... On any given night, there's over 3,000 homeless folks in Sonoma County and only 750 shelter beds available to them. And that's during the winter. During the summer, when the winter shelters aren't open, there's only around 350 beds available to them. And these are the, uh, the beds that everybody thinks it's available to them. But I can do the math, and I can tell you there's, there's a disproportion of uh, uh, places for them to go. So until we treat this like an emergency and maybe we now maybe we will now during the this virus outbreak we need to start opening up more vets halls, and winter shelters, emergency shelters to house these folks. Otherwise the environmental impacts and the impacts we're having on them is just it's out of control.
0: Oh, yeah, I, I actually I saw what- in um, Los Angeles, there are uh, homeless families that are taking over some of these unoccupied houses that are either owned by uh, absentee landlords or banks, and uh, they're just sitting there. I've also heard that you know there's, there's enough housing available that's just vacant or being used as Airbnbs to house all these people. So it sounds like there, there is at least some movement uh, taking advantage of this crisis to get into housing, but it, it sounds like it's people taking it upon themselves to just force the situation. And, uh, I don't know, take it as you will. I don't want to advocate for, um, one thing or another, but I do know that, um, you know, it's, it's trashy to not, uh, give people the dignity that they deserve in, in having a, uh, you know, shelter and food and basic necessities.
1: Well, Sonoma County right now is actually taking some uh, 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 bold moves towards uh, creating some uh, tiny, like, home-type camps. Um, Sanctioned encampments is what we need to do. Uh, We need more of them. They currently have a a situation in Sonoma County where they're housing 60 occupants in a uh, tiny home, outdoor, sanctioned encampment-type situation. But we need more of them. And we need the, uh, wraparound services. We need shelters. We need, um, um, uh, pr- uh, service providers to be engaged in these camps and these, uh, and, uh, shelters. And, um, you know, it's got to be a full package and, but we need more of them. And when you have over 3000 homeless folks and only 750 beds available to them during the winter, I mean, um, uh, Starting April 1st, we have a small shelter out here that's only open during the winter where we're anywhere between 40 and 50 folks stay in there every night. And uh, April 1st, that shelter will not be available to them anymore. So we'll have all those folks wandering around the river again for the next seven months. Oh, it's challenging, I know, and it's very complicated. And it's very complex. and Every situation is different and every person is different, but we need to start taking action and emergency action around homelessness and our protecting our environment and them.
0: Well I agree. And that's why I wanted to have you on here because you are at the front line here and you're taking it upon yourself to take action, leaving behind your, you know, successful company to just dedicate yourself fully to this. So, um I thought you would be a great first guest And uh, you know, we barely covered um, you know, we didn't even cover half of the topics we were hoping to, but uh I'm gonna have to have you on again, Chris, and we'll um talk more i am uh, very grateful for your work and i know the rest of us in sonoma county uh, also appreciate the cleaner rivers and beaches and um, efforts that you're making uh, to bring visibility to these issues and and address them head on so uh, thanks again and and looking forward to having you back sometime in the future
1: yeah thanks michael and uh, thanks for all you do with wastebusters um, it's Awesome! You're, you know, we all need to make this uh, complete the puzzle, and you're part of that puzzle. So, awesome! It's an awesome community, and we can do this.
0: Yeah, that's right. I, talking just I and that. that teamwork makes the dream work, and we're all kind of working on our own angles, but we're working together toward a, a common goal and vision. And you know, that's a, a clean planet and zero waste and leave no trace. We don't need to be, uh, you know destroying the the earth as our uh, our modus operandi for living on it. I don't I don't think that's um uh, going to be uh a thing in in the future because it's completely unsustainable. So, we got to we got to do these things or or get wiped out.
1: We can do it. We got to keep talking trash, keep it in the uh in the spotlight and um th- having you uh doing these podcasts is a great way to uh keep it keep it going. So appreciate the opportunity and look forward to helping you out or doing this again sometime.
0: Great. All right. Thanks Chris. We'll have you back.
1: Okay, Michael. Thanks a lot. Nice.